0: With us, you may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you're here today. So, I want to start by showing you some pictures. And uh, when we show you these pictures, I want you to think about this question What needs to happen? What is required? for people to do these things at a very high level? If you want to do these things correctly, if you want to do these things well, what would it require you to do for all of these different things? All right, let's go through that. So let's go to the first one. Uh, This first one, obviously, what is that? Marathon, right? Marathon run. All right, next one. Let's go to the next one. Surgery. Remember, you're thinking, what would be required if you're going to perform surgery on somebody? All right, next one. Let's go to the next one. Uh, Rock climbing. Some of you are like, I'm never going to do that, so it doesn't matter what I need to do, right? Okay, rock climbing. Okay, here's the next one. Baseball. What if you were going to play baseball at a very high level? What would you need to do? All right, next one. Read a book very simple thing, seems like, but what would you need to do in order to read a book? All right, next one, firefighting. What would you need to do in order to be a firefighter and do this well? Not just to do it, not just throw some water at it, but to do it well, to do it correctly. All right. Have you figured it out? What would you need? It's the same thing for every one of those things that you're going to need. If you're going to be a human being to do any one of those things, you're going to need to do the same thing for every one of those things. You know what it is? You're going to need to do some training. Probably some of you figured that out. You were already ahead of me, weren't you? You're like, I'm on to you, Pastor Brent. I'm on to you. Okay, cool you're going to need to practice. You're going to need to train. You're going to need to gain some knowledge. You're going to have to actually gain some skills to be able to do all of those things, aren't you? You're going to need to train. Well, today, the reason I bring that up is because we are starting a brand new sermon series today called cross-training. That's not CrossFit for some of you who like to work out all the time. But it's similar in that we are talking about not physical training over the next five weeks, but we're talking about cross-training. We're going to talk about, we're going to ask the question for the next five weeks, what does it take to develop spiritual muscle? What does it look like to drive your faith deeper? What does it require of you? What kind of training does it require for you to develop the spiritual faith muscles to drive the taproot of your belief and your faith in Jesus deeper than ever before? What does it require? What what does it mean? So we're going to answer that question over the next five weeks. Now, the first question you might have be sitting there is this. Do we actually need spiritual muscle? Do we need it? Do we need to make our faith deeper? Do we have to do that? That might be a question that you have. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. That's a great question, guys. Good job. Regardless of whether you asked that question, I'm going to answer that question here today. Whether or not we should, and if we should, why do we need it? Should we, and why? So, we're going to ask those those two questions. Now, let me give an example because the Bible answers this question. Do we need spiritual muscle? Do we need to drive our faith deeper? Do we need to do that? The Bible answers this. So the example that I want to give to you right out of the gate is out of a book called 1 Timothy. And this book is called Timothy because it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to this young upcoming leader who is also a follower of Jesus, a Christian, and he's becoming a leader in the church. And Paul writes to him, he's kind of his mentor, his leader, and he's encouraging Timothy, saying, Timothy, you need to do these things. You need to be about these things in your life. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you need to do these things. And I want to read just a small portion of that. I'm going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Again, this is the Apostle Paul writing to this young man named Timothy, who's an upcoming leader in the church. He says this Timothy, if you explain these things, how to be a follower of Christ, to the brothers and sisters, Christians, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished, who is fed by, who is invested by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas. Has anybody wasted any time in the last couple of years arguing over something? <laughs> hmm, I have. And old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good. Paul doesn't discount exercise and physical bodily training. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, I think a lot of us here on a basic level understand that some of what the apostle Paul says is true. I think we also understand that if you're going to run a marathon, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to do baseball, that physical training is required. I don't have this idea that I can step onto a major league baseball field and with a bat, you give me just give me a bat, I'm going and I'm gonna stand next to the plate and I'm gonna be able to hit a major league pitcher that throws 100 miles an hour. I'm gar- I guarantee you I'm gonna look foolish, is what's gonna happen because I haven't had the physical training that I need to do that. Same way with surgery. How many of you are gonna sign up for surgery if Pastor Brent is your surgeon? None of you will. I know. Partly because you know me and you're like, I just, I don't want that guy near me anyway, let alone to do surgery because he clearly doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to surgery, right? Why? Because I haven't had training. We all recognize that you need training. When you get a new job, what's one of the first things you do? You go through training, don't you? training to learn who do I talk to about this, where are the tools that I need for the job, what's the password on my computer, where's my cubicle, where's my spot, where's my thing, where am I going to work, am I working from home, am I working from here? All of that requires training, doesn't it? I think we recognize this. But then, going back to that passage of Scripture that I just read, what is the Apostle Paul saying? What is he saying? He's saying, All of that kind of training is good. Physical training is good. All those things are fine. They're good things. You should do those things. But training to be godly is the most important thing. Building spiritual muscle is the most important thing that you can do because it impacts, it affects every aspect of life. Promising, what does he say at the end? Promising benefits in this life And what did he say? And in the life to come, for eternity. And so today, the answer to the question, do you need spiritual training? Do I need spiritual training? The answer from the Bible is an emphatic yes. You absolutely do. It's not a question. So if you're here and you think, ah, I really don't need that. Well, you're contradicting God's Word, and I would say you're wrong. You do. You need it. We all do. I need it. And by the way, some people said, I got into this, this conversation this last week. Um, we were joking. I can't remember who I was talking to. We were joking around, and, and I was talking about, oh, it'd be nice if we could, you know, do the weather and ask God to do this. And they're like, well, if anybody has a direct line to God, I was standing on the, on the side of a soccer field. That's what it was. It'd be you And I I was like, ha, ha, ha. You know, we joked, we laughed. And then I was like, okay, the truth is, though, let's be honest, I don't have any more access to God than you do. Oh, man, I got some deep theology on the soccer field yesterday. (laughs) And they're like, well, I suppose that's true. I'm like, no, it is true. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't need training, but you guys do. No. We all need spiritual cross-training, if you will. Training from the cross, training from Jesus, training from the Spirit of God. And so today, the answer to do we need it is yes. And so now, what I want to spend the rest of our time doing is if that's the case, some of you want me to keep talking about why we need it. Well, I do want to talk about why. Why do we need spiritual training? Why do we need to deepen our faith? Why is it not enough just to believe in God? American Christianity sometimes has promoted that idea that going to church on a sunday is enough i'm here to tell you it's not it is not it's a good piece of it but it's not it it's not enough to just believe that god exists or that jesus died on a cross we have to go further than that we have to go deeper than that and so today i want to answer the question well why Why do we have to develop our faith? Why do we have to go deeper in our faith and develop spiritual muscles? I want to give you three reasons why today all of these are going to come out of what you either understand from the Bible or directly from Scripture. Uh, Number one, why do we need spiritual training? Why do we need cross training from Jesus? Because it's going to develop spiritual muscle for everyday stuff in life. Everything I, I, I can dare say, and you may think that this is kind of a tall promise, but literally, I can tell you everything you will face in your life on a daily basis requires spiritual muscle to do it correctly, to do it well. And you might say, uh, That's I don't know, I think I can do my job without God. Nope. I think I can love my wife or love my husband well without God. And I'm here to tell you, nope. Again, a lot of people are going to push back on me on this. You're like, well, hold on now. I'm not saying you're not good and all kind of stuff. And I'm not saying I'm not good. I'm just saying we need stuff. We need spiritual muscle for everyday life. How many of you have had this experience? you get up at the beginning of the day, you feel good, like things are really great, and you're like, okay, I'm ready to tackle the day." I know what my list is. I know what I need to do today, you know, and you're kind of feeling good. I mean, I have those other days where I wake up, and I'm like, I'm just tired today, right? I I get that. But how many of you wake up, and and you're, you're feeling good, and you kind of do that, but then you go through your day. How many of you have had this experience? And you feel yourself, like people come to you and then your work doesn't quite go right and then the project doesn't happen like it's supposed to. And that one guy, that that person at your company, they always have questions. You know that person? You present and then they have like 27 questions. You're like, I covered all that. How many of you love those people? Man, I love those people. Love them in Jesus, right? And you just start to feel frustrated, And you start to get angry, and you start to feel a little bit of stress rise up in you. And then it gets more, and then it goes more, and then something else goes wrong. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the day, you're feeling angry, and you're feeling frustrated, and you're feeling tired. And it's everything you can do not to yell at somebody at the end of the day. Anybody else have this experience? And you're like, I just want the couch. I just want the TV. I just want to do nothing. I don't want to think about dinner. How many of you, it sets you off when one of the kids, this is our world, hey, mom, what's for dinner? I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. It's 4 o'clock. I haven't gotten there yet. We'll figure it out in like half an hour. How many of you experience that? Why? Because the things in this life kind of drag us down. They wear our muscles out which is why we need spiritual muscle. For example, uh, you guys have seen Mark was playing the guitar up here. What does it take to play the guitar? Well, it takes a lot. It definitely takes practice. It definitely takes training, doesn't it? And when you do this, the more you do this, the faster you get at learning the notes, the faster you get at moving your fingers to play the chords. You can't just pick up a guitar and be like, okay, guitar, go to it right? It doesn't happen. You've got to actually make it work. And, and guitar players, you can ask them, ask Mark on the way out if this is true, right? And if he says no, then I, he's probably lying. But I'm, no, I'm just kidding. No, seriously, check, check me on this. I've heard this from a lot of guitar players. They say if they play guitar a lot, but then they take a break for several weeks, you know what happens? Their fingers have lost some of the callousness, right? And you've lost some of the muscle in your fingers, in your hand, and your wrist, and your forearm, and all of a sudden it's tired, isn't it? because you haven't done it in a while, because you haven't trained your muscles to do this, which is different than most other things. The same is true in life. We have to tune our spiritual faith and our muscles to be aware, to be ready for the things in this life that drag us down. This life is stressful. Have you noticed it? And anybody noticed that going through a pandemic is stressful? (laughs) Anybody notice that? Has anybody noticed that There's been a little bit of political upheaval lately. Anybody notice that? Maybe. Anybody noticed that there's been more division inside of families over masks and vaccines and mandates and who you voted for than ever before? I've gotten. I can tell you, I've gotten more calls on family division stuff probably in the last two years, and I probably have since we moved to Wisconsin uh, 11 years ago. Have you noticed that there are people dealing with stress and there are people dealing with worry about this thing called the economy? Anybody worried about inflation lately? Anybody worried about recession lately? Anybody angry when you go to the gas pump lately? I was last night. I'm serious. When it got up to 70, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Anybody else with me on this? Unbelievable. I'm gaining stress as I'm sitting there watching that thing just go, right? The gallons are just inching forward and the dollars are going, woo. It's just running, right? Anybody watch that? I'm like, the gallons should really be going faster. Anybody stressed about whether or not your company is going to make you go into the office or whether you're going to stay from home? And if you get to stay from home, if it's going to be two days or three days or four days a week and, and what security measures they have to put on your computer and all that. Anybody stressed by that right now? See, this world gets us down and we need spiritual muscle. We need to drive our faith deep in order to handle all of that stuff. Otherwise, we're going to yell at people. We're going to take them out. We're going to destroy our relationships. In fact, I would say this. This is probably out of the three points, the most boring and most mundane of the three points. But can I say this? It might be the most important. Because I wonder, I'm just wondering out loud right now, I wonder if our faith and our daily life and our direction and whether or not we're hitting the target is actually won or lost in the tiny little mundane battles of everyday life. I wonder if it's not the big, big stuff. I wonder if it's the hundred and, you know, hundred thousand little things. Where we're making decisions on our priorities and things like that. All right, I could harp on this one all day long, but let's get to number two so that we can keep going. All right, number two, why do we need spiritual muscle? Why do we need cross training from Jesus? The second reason is because it prepares us for opportunities that are going to happen to you or God's going to present to you in life. Now, a lot of you are going to be scared by this one, but the truth is that God wants to set you up. God wants to set you up and give you opportunities, windows of opportunities for you to do things for people, to encourage people, to pray for people, all these things. Let me give an example of this. So after Jesus died on the cross, resurrected from the grave, then he ascended to heaven, right? You're with me on that? He ascends to heaven. And what did he do before he ascended to heaven? He left the disciples a task. What was that task? Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've told you, everything that I've showed you. I want you, in other words, to sum that whole thing up. Go bring the good news of Jesus to every person on the planet. That was their task. That's what Jesus gave them to do, right? And so after all of that, the writer of the book of Acts records something that happens in chapter 2. It's the arrival of the Holy Spirit. It's the arrival of the spiritual form of God. Big moment. All the believers are gathered, a whole bunch of people are gathered, but then there's a whole bunch of unbelievers that are gathered there. We know this because of what I'm about to tell you. So the the followers of Jesus were there. The disciples were there. They were all gathered together. We don't know if they were worshiping or whatever. They were all gathered together. This is a huge crowd of people. And all of a sudden, God chooses that moment to unleash the Holy Spirit. And the writer of the book of Acts tells us two things that happened in that moment. Number one, little tongues of flame appeared above everybody's head. Just imagine for a moment. If the Holy Spirit manifested in that way right now, all of a sudden you look around and flames of fire were above your heads. Some of you would be like, whoa, the Holy Spirit, this is awesome. Some of you would freak out. Some of you would run. Some of you are work for the fire department as, on a volunteer basis. You would be grabbing fire extinguishers. The Holy Spirit in tongues of flame above their heads. And then the second thing is these people were gathered from all over the world and so they're speaking all these different languages and unknown languages, languages that nobody should have understood. And all of a sudden they start speaking these languages and everybody's speaking them at the same time and everybody's understanding everybody else at the same time. Again, this is miraculous. This was not happening in the moment before the Holy Spirit arrived. It's a miraculous move of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. So, this is what happens. There's some people over here that are not followers of Christ, and they're watching this. Just imagine this. You see a huge crowd of people. They have tongues of flame on their head, and they're all going, blah, 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 blah. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Right? And they totally understand all the different languages that are happening. And what are you going to do if you're standing back there and you're watching all this? You're going to be like, uh, they're crazy. Right? And you know what the Bible says that the people said that those people were? They said those people are drunk. No, seriously, that's what they said. The, the Bible records this. You can read this in the Book of Acts. It says those people are drunk. At this point, there's an opportunity. God has presented this amazing moment. Why? For somebody to step up, and you know who stepped up? The Apostle Peter. And in that moment, this is what Peter does. I'm going to be in Acts chapter two, verses fourteen through sixteen. The The apostle Peter steps in because he's been ready for this moment. He didn't even know he was ready for this moment. He's been trained for this moment, but here the moment is. He knows somebody has to take control of the situation to let everybody know what's going on. This is what he says. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other disciples, other apostles, and shouted to the crowd. Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk. As some of you are assuming, did you? Isn't that great? The Bible is just awesome. These people are not drunk, right? It's just the Holy Spirit, right? Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I love that. The Bible is so good, right? Because that's going to, he's just kind of dispelling that. And he's like, okay, we're not going to have a massive group of people that are drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. We're not drunk. And then he says, no. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And what, then I'm going to stop there. We could read the whole next thing, but what we go into at that point is Peter starts to preach. He gives an impromptu sermon. He didn't prepare it. He didn't write it out. He just starts preaching. And you know what happens as a result of Peter preaching that day? Some of you already know this. 3,000 people give their life to Christ that day. That's awesome. What if I were to tell you that God wants to do the same kinds of things, maybe not that exact thing, he wants to do the same kinds of things through you. Some of you right now, your heart, your mind, maybe even Satan is telling you, no, you can't do that because you haven't been trained. You're not a pastor. I'm here to tell you that that's a lie from the pit and you need to get it out of you so that you understand that Jesus wants to do great things in you and he wants to do great things through you and he wants to change lives in the midst of people around you. But you just have to get on board and realize that you need to be trained for a moment like that. Spiritual training, cross training, so that you have the muscle to deal with the situations, the opportunities that God's gonna to present to you. It's true. Every follower of Christ is on tap to be spiritually trained so that you can have incredible impact. So, I just had uh, a gal from our church mention this to me, I think it was maybe a couple of weeks ago, it was very recently, within the last couple of weeks. And she said, Pastor Ben, I just wanted you to know that I was sitting uh, outside with one of my, some of my friends, and we were talking about something very serious that was going on with somebody else that we knew. And she said, I felt this prompt, this, this guidance from God that I needed to stop our conversation. I needed to pray out loud for my friends and all of us in that moment. Now, I just want you to know, I'm not going to tell you who this is, because I did not ask permission to share this story, but... This person said, I was so scared because I don't pray out loud in front of people. She said, I didn't want to do it. I did not want to do it. But she said, I knew God was telling me this was my moment that I had to. And so she asked if she could just take a moment to pray. And she prayed out loud. She said, I stumbled through the thing. (laughs) But she said, I knew that me praying out loud in the midst of my friends, was a huge encouragement to them in that moment. God wants to use you in an amazing way to change and transform a life or lives around you. You cannot hit the pastor button all the time. There's no way I can be at all of them. I'm willing to help people to pray. I'm willing to be there. I I, I love to do that. I love to be involved with people. But you can't push the pastor button. You know why? Because God is training you to be the person in that moment, to pray for them, to encourage them, to dig in with them, to help them. All right, again, I could harp on these all day long, but we got to keep going. Third one, why do we need spiritual training? Why do we need training from Jesus, from the cross? Because it gives us the strength and the foundation we need for the unexpected and the unwanted. This is the one that we don't like to think about ahead of time. This is the one that we pray against. This is the one that we want nothing to do with. This is those, these are these things that they come in life that we do not want. They're unexpected and they're unwanted in our life. So let me give you an example of this from Scripture. So much later, in the same book of Acts that we were just in, much, much later, there's uh, the Apostle Paul and this other guy named Silas, and they're in this community and they're preaching, they're telling the, the good news of Jesus to a whole bunch of people, and there's this slave girl that's following them around and just kind of bothering them. And so Paul and Silas finally, after she's been doing this for a while, they turn around and they pray and they cast out this demonic possession that this slave girl has. She's demon possessed and she's she's just calling all these things. And so they turn around and they pray and they get rid of the demonic possession in her life. They free her from evil. Now, this is all in Scripture. You can read all this in the book of Acts. Now, what happens is there are some people that owned this girl as a slave. Not good, not right, but that's that's the world they lived in. And so they owned this slave girl, and they were making massive amounts of money off of this slave girl. Because she was demon-possessed, she was able to tell people's fortunes, and people loved what she would tell them. And so these people were making massive amounts of money off this slave girl and the evil that was possessing her and destroying her life. But now Paul and Silas freed her from that evil possession, and so now they stood to lose a lot of money and power as a result. And so they're angry. And so they stir up the mob of people against Paul and Silas, and it gets so riled up, so bad, that Paul and Silas end up getting arrested by the authorities, and the people call for them to be beaten and thrown into prison. And so that's exactly what they do. They strip them down naked. They beat them with wooden rods. This is, again, all of this you can read in Scripture. And they're thrown into prison, and then their feet are placed into stocks, which means their feet are placed into uh, a device that kind of holds them still. And so here Paul and Silas are. This is not a good day, right? They've been arrested on false charges. They haven't done anything wrong, but they've been arrested. They've been beaten with wooden rods. They've been thrown into prison, and maybe even the worst of all, after all their wounds and all that stuff, they have locked their feet into stocks so that they cannot shift positions. Imagine that to get comfortable, to rest, or to, you know, do all the things that you would normally do when you get uncomfortable. This is probably one of their worst days of life. And yet it's interesting, some of you already know where I'm going with this, what Acts chapter 16 verse 25 tells us happens a little bit later, a few hours later, around midnight, in the prison. Let me read what it says, what it records. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. They were singing worship songs to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Just catch that. Let that sink in for a minute. On probably what could have been maybe the worst day of their life, up to this moment. Maybe, maybe not, we don't know for sure. But certainly one of the worst days of their life. Falsely charged, beaten, thrown into prison, feed in stocks, and we find Paul and Silas praying and singing worship songs to God. And the other prisoners were what? They were listening. How can they be doing that? Were they they in denial? No. Were they making light of their situation? Did they not see the the gravity, the seriousness of their situation? No, they fully understood. They were probably in intense pain at this moment, physically. And yet, Paul and Silas are singing praises to God, and they're they're praying together. And the other prisoners are getting encouragement and, and listening to this. How are they doing that? I can tell you how. Because Paul and Silas had trained themselves to realize that when life takes you to the lowest rung of the ladder, to the bottom of the barrel, to the darkest moment of your life, when all you have, the only hope that you have is Jesus, the only strength that you have, the only foundation that you have is Jesus at that point. That's all they can rest on. That's what they were doing. They were leaning all their hope and all their their encouragement, all their faith on Jesus and God's presence in their life because they had developed that spiritual muscle. You guys know that for me, this point drives home pretty deeply. Right? Last year was the worst year of my life. It was last week, a year ago last week, that my dad passed from pancreatic cancer. It's still very hard to talk about. I can tell you right now, I want to be really clear, it was unwanted in my life and in my family's life, my mom's life, for my kids. And it was unexpected. It was unexpected and unwanted, absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody wanted it. Nobody expected it. He was diagnosed in March, he was gone by May. And I can say this. You guys were awesome. You guys loved on our family incredibly well. I thank you for that. Loved on my mom incredibly well. My kids but I can tell you that there, and, I, and I, I lived these moments in front of you because I felt like it was absolutely important for me to do that, to be as transparent as I can. And I'm doing it again today. But I can tell you that there are dark, intense, horrible, sad, grief-ridden moments and days where all I have is my faith and my assurance and the joy that comes from the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me and loves me. And that he also loves my dad. That I know that my dad is celebrating in heaven with Jesus right now and that it would be evil for me to wish that that was not true and that he was not there. Do I want him to be here? (laughs) every day it's unwanted and it's unexpected but i can tell you this the spiritual muscle faith driving deep enough is the only thing that will help you to handle these kinds of things whether they're big or small or somewhere in between Because everything in this life requires a depth of faith. You may not need it; feel like you need it today. Although I would say that you do. But there's going to be days when you absolutely know that's all I've got. So let me ask you some questions. What are you going to do when somebody asks you, "How should I pray"? When somebody says, "Hey, I, I, you're you're a Christian, right?" You know, and somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, I, I've I've seen that you've prayed at lunch at times, like when we have our work meetings and stuff, or or, or over at your, at your desk, or you have a Bible at work or whatever. And I, I've noticed that. Can how how I I'm just curious. I, my 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 mom's going through this. My kids are going through this. I just I feel like I need to pray. I'm not I don't even believe in God, but I feel like I should pray. How should I pray? What are you going to answer?" Are you going to say, uh, I know this guy, he's, na- he's my pastor, Pastor Brent. Uh, here's his number. I mean, that's one route, but you know what would be better? Is for you to show them and tell them this is how you can pray and maybe even pray for them right there. I know that that scares half of us half to death. I, I know. Prepare, train. What are you going to say if somebody asks you, hey, I've noticed that you believe in God, but I'm wondering why? Because I, I thought that we had moved on from this. Everybody knows that God is passé. Everybody knows that God is just a construct that our humanity came up with. So why do you believe in God? What are you going to say to them when somebody confronts you on that? When, some, when people find out I'm a pastor, I, I get that question what are you going to say? What are you going to do? When you have a big decision in life to make, a career move, a a change, maybe you have to move locations, physical locations, uh, maybe a major financial decision. We have some of those probably coming down the line, I would guess. Major financial decisions that we have to make coming down the line. Major health decisions. How are you going to know what the right decision is? How are you going to know? Are you going to Google it? I can tell you that depending on which article you land on, you are going to do really well or you're going to do really poorly, right? When a relationship gets difficult, when political issues come up at work and people start getting heated and they start battling over masking and vaccination or who you voted for or this, that, and the other, or gun control. Anybody heard about gun control lately? What are you going to do? How are you going to treat those people that are maybe on the different side of the aisle than you? Spiritual training. What do you do when you get that phone call that brings you life-altering bad news? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when your best friend or somebody in your family gets that call? How are you going to help them? See, all of these questions bring up the moment and the idea, the understanding that we are going to face things in life that require spiritual training. And the question is, how are you preparing for these things? How are you preparing? Are you training? Because everyday life gets us into this. So let me just finish with this. You guys remember how we started? You remember how I began today? I showed you some pictures, didn't I? I want to go back to two of those pictures. Let's let's put those two pictures up there, the marathon and the firefighting. Let me ask you a question about these two things. How many of you, by raising your hand, would say, the best time to start training for a marathon is the day that it starts? Nobody? Okay. Wise. (laughs) How many of you would say, by raising your hand, you would say, yep, the best time to start training to be a firefighter is when the building catches on fire. No? Then why do we wait on our spiritual training? Today's the day. Now is the time. Some of you, some of you have put off reading the Bible for yourself because you don't know where to start for decades. I know because I get this question about every month at least, every other week or so. Well, how do I start? And I'm not, I'm not calling you out. For some of you, I know some of you in here, that's your question. You're like, but I don't know where to start. <laughs> I know. I get it. That's fine. Ask the question though. I, I, I've just told you, I get this question all the time all the time. But Brent, I I don't even know where I would start. I mean, that thing is huge. And I always start people with Leviticus. I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, are you serious? No, I'm not serious. That would be awful. That would be the worst start you can make. I'm just saying, right? In God's Word, relevant, important, not where you should start, right? If you don't know where to start, that's fine. Don't be embarrassed about that. I'm telling you, you're probably surrounded by the vast majority of people in this room don't know where to start either. I'm just, that's honest. That's okay. Figure it out. Find out. Ask the question. Dig in. The time to start training is not when the fire starts. The time to start training for a marathon is not next week, like, okay, oh, man, the the marathon's in five days. I should probably start running. No. Stop. Spiritually train right now. Dig into God's word. Start praying. It doesn't matter if you know how. All it is, you know what it is? It's just you talking to God and you listening to God. Start talking and start listening. That's it. And you're like, it's not that simple. Actually, it is. My son, Jackson, he's 15 years old today. It's his birthday. Woo, happy birthday, Jackson. Yeah, woohoo. He's running sound for the first time on his own today. I can tell you, he doesn't want me to tell you this, but he was scared to death to do it. You know what I'm so thankful for my son Jackson is when he puts himself out there and he risks things for God's kingdom to do this. That might seem like his little thing, but if you guys couldn't hear me, this is going to be not worth much. may not be worth as much as I think it is anyway, but... Well. We need to get a little bit more serious about our spiritual training because it affects everything else in your life. Everything. I promise you, it will give you an answer for literally everything you face. Everything. And I'll leave you with this. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul said about spiritual training? Training to be godly? He promised you this. He said, it promises benefits in this life and in the life to come. It's the only training in all of the world that I can promise, that God can promise, that that we can promise to you that it is going to have benefits not only in this life while you're on this earth, but when you leave this earth, it has benefits for eternity. Can I be honest with you for just a minute? There are a lot of people that live their life In the wrong way here, and then they go into eternity, which is a lot longer, and they're not fully alive in eternity because they lived wrong here. They look like they're alive here, but they're not, and then you see that they're not alive in eternity. There are some people that truly live alive in Jesus. Which means you will live even more fully alive in the life to come in eternity prepare now prepare now let's pray lord jesus <clears throat> help us as followers of you, as disciples, as apostles in your kingdom, to realize that if we are members of your family, that we've been adopted by you through your death on the cross and the resurrection of the grave, you've, you have given us the opportunity to be adopted into your kingdom, into your family, that if we are a part of that, then things come along with that. And a part of that is to spiritually develop our muscles, to develop and deepen our faith. It is not, God, remind us, it's not enough. God, you know this. It's not enough just to believe in you. We have to follow you. We have to worship you. We have to seek after you. God, I don't fully know everything that you have planned for every person and this church in detail. But I do know, God, I recognize, according to your word, that you have a plan for every person's life and every church that exists. And so I know that you have great things planned and in store that you want this church and you want every individual in this church to be about and to do and to accomplish, to have impact, to transform lives all around. But what it requires is for us to be invested into by you, by your spirit, by your presence, by your love and your joy and your peace and your grace. Change us, God, so that we can change those around us. Change us, God, so that we can change those around us. Help us to be alive in you in this life and in the next. Help us to be alive in you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in your name. Amen.